In the last few years here on Wednesday mornings, we've covered a lot of ground, really, if we think about it. We've studied the Sermon on the Mount and the Olivet Discourse, Romans 6, 7, and 8, Romans 9, 10, and 11, the various battles of the Old Testament, the Christophanies of the Old Testament, and then most recently 10 one-verse wonders, and that's to name a few of the studies that we've done here. Each look into God's Word reveals to us who we are as Christians, and we see what Christ has won for us and the kind of life He wants for us to have in His will and in His kingdom. It's this amazing relationship that the Lord has constructed for you and for me and for him, and with Him that we might know Him and know His plan for our lives. And it's all summed up really in the simple statement that Jesus made. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And as we study God's Word, we learn more and more about what it means to actually follow Jesus as disciples, to take up the call and to receive the life He's made for us. It's detailed and it's explained and it's presented to us in God's Word, complete with FAQs and examples, really, as we look into the Bible and the great detail and the great examples and the analogies and the applications and all these things that the Lord reveals to us again and again and again so that we can take up the life that He's offering to us. And so the idea of our gathering each week is that all of us and each of us would look into God's Word to see who we are as believers and then to carry out the things that God is speaking to us. To move from simply listening to actually doing. To not only be a believer, but to actually be a follower, a disciple. You know, the Bible says that even the demons believe. And that's a strange statement, but it, it's an interesting one as well. Because our purpose as, as men who love Jesus Christ and who love God's word, our purpose is not to stop at belief. But it's to pair beliefs with action and with what we call discipleship. The actual motion of being who God wants us to be and living how God wants us to live, doing what God wants us to do. That's our purpose in gathering and approaching God's word. And the more we discover about who God is and what he has done for us, our hope is that it would then cause you and me to, to, do, to follow God more closely, more intimately, and more intensely. And so today we're going to embark on a study of the book of Philippians. It's an incredible epistle written by Paul very near the end of his life. In fact, we know that it was very close to his execution for a couple of reasons. First reason, in chapter 2, Paul talks about waiting to hear from Caesar what his fate is going to be, whether death or freedom. He says, look, I don't know, you know. Uh, I don't know if I'm coming to you soon or what. I might not be long for this world. You know, I might be dead soon, but I might be living soon. Either way, here's what we're going to do. So we know that it was close to that announcement from Caesar Nero. And then second, we know that it was close to his death because he speaks in this book about his chains. Now, he was writing from Rome, and we know from the book of Acts, that during much of his time in Rome as a prisoner, he was free to stay in his own rented house. He had a certain amount of liberty there. It was more of a house arrest where he was able to kind of move around a little bit. However, in this book, he speaks about confinement and chains and palace guards. And so he was had been moved you know, to what commentators would call the Praetorium, where it was really close to him being you know, seen by Caesar and then sentenced and all of that. He was no longer in his rented house you know, moving about a little bit more freely. And so he was at the end of his time on earth just before being sentenced to death by beheading. This is Paul at the culmination of his life 
on earth. Some of his final teachings here are preserved and delivered to us to learn from and to move forward with. And so it shouldn't surprise us then that this book is full of what we might call you know, Bible sound bites. Uh, there, this book is full of really incredible and memorable statements that you know, probably most of us started to learn right at the beginning of our Christian lives. This book has all sorts of verses that we put on our walls and we commit to memory and print on keychains and we use as mottos for graduations and those sorts of things. Verses like this. 1 verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We've all heard that one. 2 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the, of the cross Two verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow one uh, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 3 verse 8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. 3 verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. 4 verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 4 verse 8, finally brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And then of course, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of really famous verses and, and statements in this book. And I was thinking about it. It perhaps, you know, as a worship leader, I'd you know, be interested to know, but it's perhaps the most uh, often used epistle in writing songs. You know, there's a lot of songs that come out of, you know, the book of Philippians, perhaps more than the other epistles. It'd be interesting to kind of look at that. But, you know, when you step back and you take a look at this and see how, you know, uh, uh, how it's directed, we find that this is a discipleship book. Philippians is a discipleship book. It's not aimed directly at people who need to meet with Jesus for the first time. You do find Jesus in these chapters, of course, but instead this letter is primarily directed to people who love the Lord and who want to actively follow him day by day in their lives. It's a discipleship book. And so for those disciples who have taken up that call, this book explains the result of following God and what happens when you live the life that God wants us to live? And, and the result is fullness, godly fullness. Throughout the scripture, we're given this idea of biblical heavenly fullness from God for his people. Let me read you a couple of verses that illustrate this point. Psalm 16:11. it says, speaking of God, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Paul speaking in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 17, it says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. John 1, verse 16, and of his fullness we all have received and grace for grace. And so Philippians details to us how to have lives that are filled with God's fullness. 
It won't happen by itself. That, that's the thing. And I think we need to remind, I know I need a reminder of that. Christian maturity, Christian fullness, the things that God wants to do on our behalf, in our lives, they don't just happen by themselves. It can't happen if we're unwilling to step forward as actual disciples. You know, all the things that happened to, let's say, the twelve in the Gospels. None of those things could happen to them if they're unwilling to follow Jesus. When he came to each one of them and said, follow me right now, you know, whether it was, you know, Matthew at the tax table, you know, uh, Peter, James, John at the, you know, in their fishing boats, wherever he found people. If they're unwilling to take that step into discipleship, none of the things that happened after that could have happened because that's how the Lord has set it up. And the Christian life is wonderful. It is amazing. It's remarkable. But we have to receive it and we have to engage in it in order to be in the place where God can do all the work that he began at our conversion. Uh, It's really just an interesting thing to try to wrap your mind around where the Lord will accomplish his will. He is sovereign. However, he has given us a free will. And we have a part to play as clay molded by the potter. You know, when we see a potter molding clay... The clay is inanimate, and it it doesn't determine how hard or soft it's going to be, but the Bible gives us this analogy, but it says, yeah, but you're the clay, and you can determine if you're going to be hard clay or if you're going to be moldable clay. You're going to determine if you are going to be a tree that bears fruit or if you're going to be a tree that will not bear fruit. Um, Our will and our decisions have an impact on what the Lord is going to do in our lives. In Philippians, Paul comes at us on all sorts of levels. He explains how God's fullness is applied to our thought life, to our worship, to our rejoicing, to our knowledge and discernment, to our service, to our sacrifice, to our love, to our future, to our hope, and of course to our spiritual fruit. And Paul's taking the time to write to us as Christian men and say, okay, this right here is the Christian life, and this is what you have to look forward to as God continues to complete you. But here's what you have to do in order to receive those things. This is what, how, you be, how you become a disciple and how you walk in this life so that you're on the path that leads to fullness. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul then gives himself as an example in this book and he explains his life and how he determined to actively follow after Jesus and that he was therefore full of God's provision and plan. He says at towards the end of the book 4 verse 18, indeed I have all and abound, I am full. And he was speaking spiritually of course. And he instructed the Philippian Christians and us as well that we should imitate him and that we should follow in the pattern that he followed that we should engage in our faith actively, not stopping at belief, but becoming actual disciples of Jesus who follow. And if we are willing to do that, then we are going to receive the fullness that our hearts desire so dearly and that the Lord has supplied so plentifully. Of course, in this great discussion of God's completion and God's fullness, God's filling, Paul invites us to look within ourselves, to look in our own hearts and our own lives. Because when we look within, we will find that naturally, you know, in the old man and in the flesh, in the sin nature, in our fallen state, naturally we are full of attitudes and habits and characteristics that are incompatible with discipleship. Things that the Lord has to take care of and that we need to separate from as we move closer to God and further from sin. 
within ourselves, even as Christians, we find arrogance, we find selfish ambition, we find pride, we find complaining, we find disputing hearts, we find discontent. We find that we're full of it. We're full of ourselves. And in these four chapters, Paul sets us straight. He sets us on the track so that we can run a race to win the race. Not just participate, not just get on the track and stand there and watch other people run, but he says, okay, this is how you get on the track to run a race to win this race. He puts us on a path toward a dynamic Christian life that is continually perfected and continually filled by God as he draws us nearer to himself. And so that's where we're going with this study. We're going to call this series Full of It because our desire is not only to evaluate... Our desire is not only to evaluate our own hearts and what they're filled with right now, but our desire is also to step into that life of discipleship so that we can receive the fullness that God is offering. What is determining my decision making? What's determining my thought life? What determines my choices for the future? What determines my attitudes? Because whatever we're filling our lives with is going to determine those things and many other things. And that's what Paul explains to us in this book. Whatever we're full of is going to determine the fruit that is produced in our lives. And it's very important. And the, the, the deception that we sometimes fall into is that, well, I am a Christian, I believe, and so therefore that's it. You know, I kind of just sit back and a bunch of stuff just happens. And um, discipleship is a very different way of life than simply believing. Even the demons believe. And as we say often, Every disciple is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. That's a choice that we make to either follow after the Lord in what he wants for us or to not accept that thing from the Lord. Now, here's a little illustration. Kelly and I have a number of fruit trees at our house. We have grapefruit trees, we have pomegranate trees, a tangelo tree, a lemon tree, and a fig tree. Uh, But then we also have two orange trees, one in the front of the house and one in the back of the house. And there's one, the one in the back of the house it produces these great big, you know, just luscious oranges. And now a lot of them get eaten by local wildlife before we can, you know, before we even get a chance to get at them. But the fruit on that tree is regular and it's desirable and it's full and it's just bountiful. It's great. The the orange tree in the front of the house, however, is a very different story. The tree in the front is a wasted tree. It It is a useless tree because, you see, before we moved in, the owners of the house... They had used in that flower bed, because there's a bunch of stuff planted there alongside that tree, they used a chemical fertilizer in that area of the yard that you can't ingest, that's unsafe to eat. And so this tree became full of toxins and that have then affected the fruit and made it unsafe for people to eat off of. The tree in the back is full of what, you know, you could just say, hey, it's full of God stuff, just dirt, water, air, sunlight, just the stuff that the Lord provides. And the tree in the front it has that stuff as well, but it also uh, has a bunch of man stuff added in, a bunch of you know, poisonous stuff mixed in, and it's ruined the fruit. It's ruined that tree. The fullness of those trees determines what kind of fruit is produced and how useful that fruit is. And so that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about being filled up, and he's, a, he's uh, revealing some of the things that we fill our lives with and explaining that what God wants is godly, heavenly fullness for us, and that if we enter into a life of discipleship, that's what we receive. But it takes work, it takes activity, it takes a choice to step into that life and away from worldliness and away from sin. As Bible commentator H.A. Ironside puts this book, he says, The book of Philippians speaks of Christ, 
but not in a doctrinal way. It describes the walk and the life of the believer who has apprehended his position in Christ. Paul shows what manner of lives uh, should be lived by those who are saved by grace and who are waiting for glory. This is the true Christian experience. Philippians. And so if we desire to follow God as disciples, then, then we're ready for Philippians. We're ready for what the Lord has to say to us there. And if we're tired of being full of it as fallen human beings, then it's time to discover the fullness of God in a life lived stretched out toward Him. That's where we're going. That's what Paul wants us to see. And uh, that's what the Lord is going to speak to us. Amen?